Okay. Right, I think we're ready. <laughs> Greetings, people of the internet. I am Matt. I am with Ellie. And together, this is Ellie and Matt's Excellent Podcast Adventures. Say it again. Serious. No. No, <laughs> no, I was kidding. Hmm, are you sure? <laughs> All of us two fans. <laughs> Sometimes that's the way it should actually be. <laughs> anyway, homie, how are you doing? Not bad, not bad. Getting on with life and all that fun stuff and life. Listen- Listening to Gallifrey, which is probably another topic we'll get onto at some point. Breaking our collective hearts, Mr. Gary Russell, you were. Mm-hmm. Gary Russell. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, that's, that's the end of the podcast. So, what? You, what so, that's big question. What are we drinking today? Uh, I have a uh, big mug of tea with Chippendale on it, or if you're French, it's Tic Tac. Tic Tac. Mm. Chipandere. And for some reason, Goofy is Dingo. I uh, don't ask. I have no idea why. So, if this was Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and something was a load of Dingo's kidneys, it would actually be a load of Goofy's kidneys. Exactly. What? Mind blown. <laughs> so, when I nom into a box of Tic Tacs, it is actually a box of Chippendales. Exactly. So I'm, actually, so I'm actually eating chipmunk pellets. Only if... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Ooh. we've completely gone off topic and we haven't even... What, 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 what? Oh yes, of course. The reason why we're here. Yes, of course. <laughs> yes, so after the epic that was part one of Torchwood last week, uh, we are now here being listened to by persons... All over the world, you know. So you yes, know, most of, most of our <laughs> yes, we have most of our listenership is here in the British Isles. Uh, we've got four percent in Australia, so that's obviously Kieran. Uh, <laughs> Kieran <laughs> represents four percent of Australia, <laughs> and uh, we've got four percent in Brazil. Oh, hello, I know, people listening to us. Isn't it marvellous? And the rest yeah. of them are in the dear old United States of America. We obviously made an impression the last time we were there. <laughs> <laughs> well, the plan is to go back at some point. Yeah, 2022 we're aiming for, aren't we? Yes, yes, yes that's the goal. You know, if, um, if Mother Nature could just hold her shit together just for one month, then, you know, we're, we're fine. She can Eve. do it. 
yeah, please, because it was a nightmare getting there the last time. Um, but oddly enough, to bring it all the way back before we even started, we went to America to meet Christopher Eccleston, the Ninth Doctor, and today we are talking about Christopher Eccleston, the Ninth Doctor. Hey! Hey! I like that tie-in. It yeah, was completely <laughs> by accident. <laughs> do we ever do anything on purpose? I don't know anymore. Uh, I suspect that we do deep down on a sort of subconscious cosmological level. Okay, so let's, we are now going back to the blessed year of 2005 when we thought that the BBC was lying to us all the time and that it, this was going to get cancelled at any moment. It was never going to happen again because with every other Doctor Who project, it's sort of like, here's Doctor Who, here's what you can have. Oh, no, we take that away. You know, that's what the BBC did because they're a bunch of bastards. So obviously... By 2005, me and you were already firmly established in our love and our fandom of Doctor Who. Yeah. But um, how old would you have been when Doctor Who... They, they said that Doctor Who was going to come back and it was going to be two years. So this would have been 2003. So this would have been the 40th anniversary, actually. Now okay, so... Clicks in my head. 2003, depending at what point it was announced, I would have been... Uh, 10 or 11 at the time right. uh, so, so yeah I, I you know I was a fan during the wilderness years because my granddad showed me uh, the episodes of UK gold and stuff so I I was the only Doctor Who fan I knew of uh, my mates only knew of it because of me uh, but they didn't necessarily watch it um, the, you know my mates didn't really have much of an interest in it so for it to be announced to come back, I mean, I was over the moon. I was absolutely stoked because it was one thing as a kid, um, even though obviously Doctor Who had been taken off at this point anyway, so I'd never known Doctor Who to be properly on TV. There was always a thing, um, like gut feeling I had where I wanted it back. I wanted new adventures and all this kind of stuff because, you know, I wanted to share it with my mates and stuff like that, which I felt I couldn't do with the classic series because, I mean, UK Gold was very expensive as a, a TV channel because Sky was very expensive. So I didn't was, know yes. <clears throat> I didn't know very many people that had digital TV at the time. Uh, so it was really limited uh, for people to actually have accessibility to it. So when the BBC announced that they were going to bring it back and it was going to be on BBC One, it was amazing because it meant that it was going to bring in a new generation of people uh, and open doors uh, for the people that didn't know Doctor Who at the time. Um, yeah, so, yeah, what about you, homie? Oh, blimey, I, I remember it um, like it was yesterday. I was actually, I just started college, actually. I so left school, and so 2003, I was firmly ensconced in, in college, and it was the it was the era of um, BBC I, when they yeah, thought that the whole that. future of Doctor Who was either going to be uh, with this with Big Finish, which it still is because you know Big Finish do a damn sight better job in the writing. Um, did I say that? <laughs> did I say that? But I'm right though, you know, I, I, if anyone puts a gun to my head, I'll always say that Big Finish are far better writers than um, the TV episodes. Anyway, but we'd we'd gone through the whole the whole thing of Scream of the Shalker, uh, I think that was still going on, we'd had Real Time, yeah. we'd had Sharda, we'd had... 
um, death comes to time. So it was all, you know, it was all sort of Doctor Who was always still up in the air. And I just remember it was a it was a Tuesday morning. I just got my coffee and my bacon sandwich from my auntie who works in the canteen at the college. I mean, there's favouritism for you. <laughs> um, and I sat down with a computer and I was just checking out the Doctor Who website because something digital was always coming out. They were going to announce more ebooks and things like that. Um, and right in the corner, right in the corner, in this really obnoxious orange box, said Doctor Who Returns. And we all thought, oh, well, that's going to be another online thing you know let's not get too excited but they said no this is this is real this is happening it was going to be written by russell t davis who'd written queer as folk uh and i thought okay unusual choice um and <laughs> because i didn't know what he'd done with uh, the doctor who novels i had no idea he was a massive doctor who fan and it, it all seemed a bit sort of Okay, well, they've said it, you know, but let's... Um, I'm not holding my breath, because I've held my breath before, and I went to funny colour. But, slowly but slowly, things started to emerge. Uh, with, obviously, I'd got UK Gold as well, and I was watching Doctor Who on there as well. And the more they talked about it, the more excited it became. It was a bit different to 96, when... The first that I ever heard of Doctor Who coming back with Paul McGann was that wonderful trailer after the Generation game, and I completely lost my nerdy shit. Um, and I just, every single second went on for an eternity. And it was, it was just really, oh, it was, it was electric. But 2003 was a bit different because I think everyone was a bit more cynical, you know. So yeah. we'd all sort of gone. Um, sort of, well, well, the thing is, there yeah. were so many rumours that it was coming back. And then obviously, you know, when they tried with the TV movie and all this kind of stuff, and then nothing came of it, um, you know, it, it lost a bit of hope in the fandom. So whenever there was news that it was coming back, you were like, yeah, we've heard this about a billion times yeah. before. Exactly. And then they said that Christopher Eccleston was going to be the next Doctor. I had never seen anything of him before. And the new companion was going to be Billy Piper. And I must admit, I was one of the few that sat there and gone, right, we're taking this dead seriously, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Completely not knowing what was coming. No idea. So everything goes a bit quiet. And then I think we skip ahead to... Let's just jump straight into 2005. Yeah. And they start, they start releasing bits and pieces and... Oh, um, the the picture of the new police box that's been seen filming for the first time, and we all saw it, and everyone's went, "That's wrong because it's it looked very squat." Yeah. And he says, "I looked at it and just go, well, that's a bit, that's a bit weird, and that's a bit weird, and that's a bit weird." Every, See, everything now, that we saw, everything I, that we saw was kind of wasn't adding up. I was at the age where I didn't care that. TARDISes were misshapen or anything. <laughs> I was excited that there was a freaking TARDIS, new new TARDIS as well, on set. Um, and I just remember absolutely blowing my mind over it. Uh, I was just so excited. I mean, you know, because I was, I was 10 years old and having Doctor Who back, well, that's just a childhood dream for me. Yeah, yeah, she's. Um, but like I so said, what was. I think basically it was one of those very strange situations of. All the ingredients looked wrong at the time. 
this was. I, mean, I this think was... it was because, as well, you know, with the costume and everything, because you know he he didn't have the eccentric kind of Edwardian look that he normally has. Yeah, it was the leather jacket, you know, uh, a V-neck jumper, and you're thinking, oh, this is this is slightly different to sort of what I'm used to. But I mean, for me, when I was a kid, I didn't I didn't think twice about it. I was like, oh, cool, this guy's just the Doctor. Um, I just accepted it. Uh, yeah. But then you know, growing up with various different episodes because I didn't have a specific era that I stuck with. Having stuff just suddenly change didn't phase me. Um, no. And I don't know whether or not that's a better way of doing it. It's just watch episodes completely out of order, completely out of series, because you get used to the fact that stuff does dramatically change in Doctor Who, and it always will. So I do remember a, a news programme and they said, well, tune in to BBC One at six o'clock and you'll be able to see the new Doctor, the new companion, who'll be doing these things, filming in Cardiff. It was basically um, BBC News, the reporter, who obviously didn't have a clue what she was talking about. Oh, I always was... love that when BBC, <laughs> or just news presenters in general, like, Doctor Try Who. Try and talk about Doctor Who, yeah. Uh, you know, there's the, he's an alien, and then they will get some facts wrong about what the TARDIS acronym is, or something like that. Yeah, and the, it doesn't matter. BBC News will never ever fail in making Doctor Who sound like the anorak sad boy fan <laughs> fantasy. Fan fantasy? What the hell's a fan fantasy? Fan fantasy. Fan fantasy. Yeah, exactly. yeah. It's, I suppose, you know, I was yeah, I think I'll, I'll stick with that. The fan fantasy that it is. I feel uh, like that they would make it a... sound really sad. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that happened a lot, especially during the wilderness years when it was taken off, because it was like, oh, Doctor Who, that's that thing, like you know, either your like grandparents or really nerdy people watched, and then I'm sat there like, but I watch it, but I am a nerd. I'm not yeah. a grandparent, but I am a nerd. So. I was just saying, I'm close enough to an, for an old person, so you know, I, think <laughs> I, 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 um, I, I fill in those two categories quite nicely. But what really impressed me was to actually see Christopher Eccleston in his costume. Yeah. Um, he wasn't even acting as, but they were just in, they were just talking, and he was he was they'd done this little interview with him, and I think just to see the costume, just him sort of moving in it, I. I accepted it a little more. Yeah. I just thought to myself, okay, because by, the, by then we'd seen all the, the different production snippets that they'd sent out and we'd seen... Are you just thinking, okay, this is going to... And Russell T went on record and said, no, this is going to be completely brand new Doctor yeah. Who that no one's ever seen before. And I was just like, okay, I can, I dig, I dig. Because if you look at the, the web series that we had, you know, Schalke and... Real time and shard and all this business. I remember, I remember my internet was terrible. Oh, God, well, it wasn't just the internet was terrible. It was the... <laughs> like at all. And then they brought it on out on DVD. It only took them a decade and a bit. It was, <laughs> it was a glorious moment. But um, what I, what I, what I kind of liked is I liked. I started to like the fact that it was new. Because yeah. everything else up to them was sort of a heart back, and they would say, well, say, yeah, we can make new Doctor Who's, and no, you can make new stories, but you can't make Doctor Who new. Yeah. And that's what they did in 2005. And I go on record saying it was the most beautiful thing that I'd ever seen in my life. Yeah, I remember. Because once I'd seen it in its doing its thing, and when the series was out, and because it was all, it was a wonderful time, it was all up for grabs. Um, anyone who who could work a keyboard and audition for the the, the Doctor Who theme tune, um, 
and say, I'll tell you what, the BB, whoever the um, the uh, the VHS distributors were, they did the best thing ever. What they what they did before the new series came out is that they released the VHS of the Second Coming, which was written by Russell T Davis, music by Murray Gold, and it starred Christopher Eccleston. And it was, and a friend of mine said that um, it's kind of not. We think this is what Doctor Who's going to be like. Yeah. I watched the Second Coming. I didn't necessarily buy into the fact that this was going to be what Doctor Who was going to be. But I liked the writing of Russell T. I liked the way that he handled the weird and the odd. And I love mm. Chris Eccleston in it. I just thought it was so good. And so when the first episode, Rose, came came out, my only misgiving is, well, how is a pop star going to be the new companion? Because that was the thing they completely glossed over. That was the only thing I was worried about. And I think within about five minutes, if that, it all sort of melted away. And I just thought... We're in good hands. This is good. I like this. I like where this is going. I'm going to backpedal ever so slightly because I remember when uh, the marketing was coming out and you had billboards with Chris Reckleston <gasps> oh, and the billboards. Billy Piper and like all that kind of stuff. And that was absolutely mind-blowing to see Doctor Who advertised everywhere. And the, the bit, yes. actually, uh, the bit that cemented uh, Christopher Eccleston and Billy Piper for me as the new Doctor and Companion was that trailer where they're running down the corridor and the fireball comes out at them. And uh, the Doctor's like, you want to come with me? Do you want to come with me? Because if you do, then I should warn you. Because if you do, then I should warn you. You're going to see all sorts of things. Ghosts from the past, aliens from the future, the day the Earth died in a ball of flame. It won't be quiet, it won't be safe, and it won't be calm. But I'll tell you what it will be. I'll tell you what it will be. A trip of a lifetime. Of a lifetime. Doctor Who, Saturdays at 7 on BBC One. I knew you were going to say that because, oddly enough, that was the next thing I was going <laughs> to. Yeah. I do remember the billboard very, very fondly because yeah. at the bottom of my street there was a big billboard. Um, this, there was a space for one. Yeah. And it was there. It was there for months. Sleet, snow, wind, the whole lot. It just it stood there mightily. So every day I got the bus yeah. to wherever to college or wherever, it was there emblazoned in glory. Um, the first trailer, I think that, that again that was that was when it sort of it clicked. Yeah. Are you just thinking this is this is going to be so good? This is gonna be so good. Uh, I was yeah. still a bit, I was still a bit, sort of, worrying, well, not worrying, but sort of wondering, what Rose gonna be like? Because you, because you can always, they gave the impression of the Doctor quite nicely. Yeah. In that first trailer, when we first saw the Dalek, as well, oh, that glimpse yeah. of the Dalek, and I thought that, oh Jesus Christ, that was, yeah, that was so good. Um, but nothing had ever been said about the companion. So luckily, within the first five minutes, we we met. Uh, we got a, a a brief shot of dear Mickey, who we um, and we shall learn more of his wisdom later. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
and she's just there living a life in a version of London that does not exist. (laughs) (laughs) But I like that because that that was the ultimate moment when you go, oh, this is slightly different because we're seeing the companion with a kind of normal life. And, you know, we've never really... Well, actually, no, I lie, because obviously we see sort of Ian and Barbara at the beginning, how they're just teachers and stuff. And I quite like that because it establishes how Doctor Who is so different and just whisks you away into sort of time and space and it's completely different. So to establish that normality again and then just show how bonkers it can turn into, I think that's what you needed to do to re-establish a new audience um, so that they had a level ground. They can relate to Rose a lot more and then go, okay, I'm going to experience, you know, travelling through time and space through Rose. And I think it was the perfect way to start it off. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and I think because um, listen, obviously it's been it's it, it, it's been a while. It was a long time ago, back in um, two thousand five. Five. Fifteen years ago. Years which is ago. Mad. Yes, that is that's a bit mental. Um, there was one bit though. I, I do remember the, there was the trailer, and then soon after that. There was, um, they released a snippet. Now, for some reason, news programs seem to like giving away a, a lot of these magic moments as part of the advertising. For some unknown reason, they like they like doing this, and I can't think, I can I can understand why, but at the same time, I wish they didn't do it because I would have loved to have heard this speech the first time in the episodes, you know, as I'm as I'm watching it, and that was the uh, the first big speech that he gives. To Rose about the Earth, about the yeah. Earth revolving. Do you know, like we were saying about the Earth revolving? It's like when you're a kid. The first time they tell you that the world's turning, and you just can't quite believe it because everything looks like it's standing still. I can feel it. turn of the earth. The ground beneath our feet is spinning at a thousand miles an hour and the entire planet is hurtling around the sun at 67,000 miles an hour and I can feel it. We're falling through space, you and me, clinging to the skin of this tiny little world and if we let go, that's who I am. Now forget me, Rose Tyler. Go home. And... I just, I think if I'd seen it for the first time when I was sat there watching it, it would have been a hundred times more mesmerising. It was a beautiful because it was looks like because it was again another little snippet. You go right, this is what this doctor's going to be like. He's going to be northern. That threw me. I must admit, because we we were we were so used to you know, the doctor being sort of very well very well spoken of a of a sort of door. Even um, slightly prickly Ace, or you know, Ace, you're quitting. Hi, I'm Paul McGann. <laughs> what? Northern. Northern. And then all of a sudden, that's what we get. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's um, it's funny, isn't it? Because I think you needed to do that. I think you needed to sort of reinvent the Doctor uh, for a more uh, modern audience. Um, because I don't know... It's, it's tough, isn't it? Because I love that eccentric kind of side of the Doctor, you know, with the awarding gear and uh, all that. But whether or not, you know, they wanted to play it a little bit more safe 
by having him sort of... I, I'm trying to think of the right words. I can't think of the right words at the minute. Which is marvellous for a podcast. Yeah, that's great, <laughs> isn't it? Um, well, I'll say, I mean, I, I, this might jog something of, of your memory, but... Um, we get the episode, we get the first episode Rose and we get his first speech and he's so we know so we know that he's he's brave in the face of the enemy because yeah. um, you know the way that him and Rose meet and then we get that sort of deep mystery of who the Doctor is which I bloody adored oh it's great oh it just oh like, it just like he was like this is this could pick up so easily for you know I just wondered what the gap was between McGann and him of which we later found out. Spoilers, it was John Hurt. <laughs> yeah. I, I like when, you know, he goes up to the mirror and he's like, oh, look at the ears. And you're like, oh, my God, this what, like, you know, this doctor's newly regenerated. So, um, you know, I mean, you automatically assume that he's gone straight from uh, McGann. Mm. Obviously, you know, at the time we didn't know all about the time war and all that because it was slowly built up over the series and all this kind of stuff um but i i really like that because it feels fresh and you as again it's that thing you can relate to the doctor because he feels new it feels different um which i really love so i think there's only two instances to no one two yeah three instances <laughs> there are two instances todd baker paul began and chris Ferguson. three three instances <laughs> <laughs> well i have completely fallen in love with the doctor there was tom baker with pyramids of mars yep. there was um paul mcgann with the TV movie, and then there was Chris Eccleston. Yeah. Even when we had Schalke, it took me a while to get used to. Um, oh, what Richard, Richard, e. Grant. e. Richard E. Grant's Doctor, because um, he, he was he was kind of like the emo Doctor. I mean, I liked him. Don't get me oh, wrong. Oh, he you know. yeah, he was dark. He was and a he, dark he, he was he was dark, but he he, he lightened. But well, we shall learn more of his wisdom in another podcast because I'd like to talk about him at some point. Okay. The wil- the wilderness doctors, yeah. Um, but Eccleston, after just one episode, we'd got everything. Yeah. We'd got the mystery. We'd got the. I mean, I loved the way that he just played, just the childlike in him. It really was, you know. It, it's it, the smiles. The he was like every time he did, he did something different. He just like, there's the fourth Doctor. There's McGann. There's Hartnell. There's Troughton. There's something else. And just like. It's all in one bloke. I loved it. Yeah, and it just shows you sort of how Christopher Eccleston is such a strong actor, and the writing was so oh, strong so, so in series actor. one. Because yeah, you do you you just cement and you go, this is Doctor Who. This is what it's going to be like. And you know, considering sort of what happened over the thirteen episodes, we got to see so much of him. And again, this is a thing why I'm so heartbroken that we didn't get to witness any more of him on tv uh because it was just like you were you were getting going it was going to go on to bigger and broader things but you know whatever happened in the background happened in the background he's gonna follow us the assembled odds of genghis khan couldn't get through that door and believe me they've tried now shut up a minute You see, the arm is too simple, but the head's perfect. I can use it to trace the signal back to the original source. Right, where do you want to start? Um, the inside's bigger than the outside? Yes. It's alien? Yep. Are you alien? Yes. 
All right. Yeah. It's called the TARDIS, this thing. T-A-R-D-I-S. That's time and relative dimension in space. That's okay. Culture shock. <laughs> Happens to the best of us. Did they kill him, Mickey? Did, did they kill Mickey? Is he dead? Oh, I didn't think of that. He's my boyfriend. You pulled off his head. They copied him and you didn't even think. And now you're just going to let him melt? Okay, so we. I hate to tell you this, but we're already half, half an hour into this. Bloody <laughs> hell. So... Should we bomb through the episodes? Otherwise, we're going to come back and do part two of this. <laughs> I swear every episode of our podcast is going to be a part two. Yeah. these you got to remember, these are just tiny snippets into our lives. This subject alone can keep us drinking at the bar oh, all night, and it has done sure. on many occasions. Yes, yes. <laughs> which I very much miss. I do do admit that oh, I Oh, I, 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 I'm... I miss, I, I do miss the, the hotel dues and the, the bars and everything else when we go to dear conventions like like Hooverville. Yeah, Big Finish big Day. Big Finish Day. Uh, what was that lovely one in Bristol that I went to with uh, you? Pandorica um, with the Phantom Pando- Boys. Hey, you know what they yeah. should do is give us publicity money because then we can plug them. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by Phantom Films. <laughs> <laughs> Dear. I'm not expecting much. Just to go, pa- just to go past to the uh, to the conventions. That's all I want in life, you know. Not much. <laughs> <laughs> but what, but yes. what, what's that I'm getting in my ear? What's that I'm getting in my ear? Matt, you are a cheeky shit. <laughs> Dream on, boyo. <laughs> <laughs> That's just me saying that as well. Oh <laughs> fuck! I'm getting into stereo now. <laughs> <laughs> Right, so should we blitz through so, series one? Blitz through the episode. So we've got so we've got Rose that we thought was awesome, it was a brilliant setup and it just it just cemented the entire yeah. series to come. And then we had uh the end of the, end of the, end the world. world. End of the world, yes. Where we're going to the future and we see aliens, not necessarily monsters. Though the big the I mean it was nice one thing that we lost over was the fact that in Rose we had the Autons, so they started off with a bit with a Old Baddie, which was had a lots of lovely nods to Spearhead from Space. Yes, exactly. I, I remember being so excited because you were like, oh, yes, it is Doctor Who because they've got the Autons. And that's Pertwee's episode. And I remember having that on VHS, so I was super excited. Yes. And the fact that they, case of, oh, my God, they're doing the mannequin scene again. Uh, oh! It was <laughs> brilliant and i mean what what an episode to lead on to with end of the world i just remember it being so sort of dramatic and uh heartbreaking at i the thought same it time. was pretty it was it was a very pretty episode something that i mean you know you could tell that the budget had gone way up uh in terms of the yeah. cgi i mean everything was brand new you could tell it was fresh um and it was just so so well directed and i mean lady cassandra is a villain my god, was she the amazing. first major Doctor Who villain, and she's a bitchy trampoline. Exactly, you can't beat that. No, <laughs> you never, really can't. Never, um, because I mean, Zoe Wanamaker, I absolutely loved her because I mean, I loved her uh, in Harry Potter and stuff. And um, was it my family? She was the mum, yes, 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 it was, yeah. Uh, and oh god, it was, it was just pure sort of perfection. Uh, in terms of being a villain and she was um, I, I love that kind of well written villain where they have a big personality um, 
Yeah. Yeah. It, Personality. Oh. She was queen. Oh yes. Yeah, it's exactly. a case of as a villain go. It's a villain girl. As a villain goes, it's the sort of one that makes you go, yes, queen. I, mean, I, I, know, I am but, saying that. I am saying that right, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, just like, I don't speak modern. The whole sort of theme of like the end of the world and everything. I mean, it's quite heavy for uh, a companion that has never left Earth before to take them to their dying planet. It's a hell of a thing to show your companion. Yeah, well, it kind of puts everything into perspective yeah. for her. But then again, he takes her straight back and just go, well, you know, it's here now, enjoy it. You know. Exactly, and I love... <laughs> it's, like, it's like the shrug of the shoulders. It's like, you know, what, what are you worried about? You know, you're here, you're there, enjoy it. Go get chips. Oh, that, exactly. <laughs> just that line about chips is just... It just hit, strikes that kind of, as you said, take everything uh, as it is and just go with it. Um, my mm-hmm. God, I want chips now. I, <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, so do I. What I liked about... Um, about the end of the world is the fact that it did set up a lot more Russell T was able to set up some mystery in the Doctor yeah. and it actually gave us probably the first time in a long time secret Time Lord superpowers involving time because you've got the, the scene with the, the rotating yeah, blades yeah, yeah, the, the and he's able to he's able to walk straight through them I, I saw that and my jaw hit the floor just like oh my god they're really doing this He's actually got Time Lord, Time Lord Wizard powers, <laughs> <laughs> and then all of a sudden they dropped the bombshell of um, Gallifrey was gone, and there was yeah. a, a war. My planet's gone. It's dead. It burned like the Earth. It's just rocks and dust. Before its time. What happened? There was a war, and we lost. A war with who? What about your people? I'm a Time Lord. I'm the last of the Time Lords. They're all gone. I'm the only survivor. I'm left travelling on my own, because there's no one else. I'm going to move straight on to episode three the where we meet Charles Dickens dead, yes. The Unquiet Dead written by Mark Gatiss wow that was so good it was such a good kind of horror Doctor Who which I love I love when horror and Doctor Who get together yeah and it was and again it wasn't too it wasn't too heavy going and it's the first time we met um Gwyneth yes Yes. Ancestor of Gwen. Of, yes. Of Eve, that's the first time that we meet Eve Miles. So I'm, uh, I was, that that kind of that kind of that, that that makes me happy. That makes me very happy because uh, it, it it dealt all with you know mediumships and ghosts and everything else and just like I'm all over this. And I mean, you know, this is when we start getting the bad wolf theme as well which yes it was yeah the, oh, the first mean, running theme it was in a, in a brilliant like to have a story arc like that i mean you know we uh, i mean there weren't many times that doctor who you know in the classic era had a story arc apart from like all i could think of is like key to time uh the uh black guardian kind of stuff which they need to bring back i'm just saying and you, you've flown so far further than anyone. The things you've seen. The darkness. The big bad wolf. 
Okay, now I'm gonna I'm gonna say this: Series one did not have a dud episode. They did, however, have some dud <laughs> monsters. Yeah, I I remember even when I was a kid watching uh, Aliens of London with the Slovene and stuff. I did find it a bit ridiculous with a farting alien. I mean, I loved. I love the, you know, whole thing that they've actually, like, skinned people and, like, wearing their skin as suits and stuff because that's, like, creepy Doctor Who kind of uh, territory. But the actual aliens themselves, you're a bit like, mm, I'm not, I don't know about this. This is a bit too, I mean, it's it, basically the modern day co- uh, um, comparison is frog on a chair for me. That's what the Slovene are like for me. <laughs> You really didn't like that frog on a chair, did you? And that's for another discussion. (laughs) Oh, isn't it just because this is where me and Ellie Ellie might have a first argument because I like the frog on the chair. Yes. (laughs) We'll call that a debate another time. Um, It's amazing. We're setting up an entire series here, people. How are we going to get through these? We'll never know because we can barely get through this one. Uh, (laughs) I genuinely sat there, you know, we got... I was a bit sensitive about it at the time, I must admit, because, you know, it's because the aliens could only really fit into big people. So I, I thought to myself, what? so what's the message they're sending here? Don't trust fat people, there might be a Slovene. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can laugh about it now because it, it was done in such the most ridiculous way because you had them having farting jokes. Fart jokes in Doctor Who do not go together. I just thought, no, s- yeah. stop it. Stop think, it, you're being silly. I think what made the difference for me is Annette Badland. I mean, she plays it so well. Oh, she's so exactly. playing it for Again, it, it does bring in that campness, <laughs> the campness quality of Doctor Who, because we have had some ridiculous yeah. monsters, like, do not get me wrong, uh, with classic Doctor Who. So this is the first time I felt like this episode could properly fit in with the classic series because it had. Yeah, it is. It does have the, all the qualities of a Stone Cold classic, including exactly, a crap Exactly, because you can monster. imagine somebody like Tom <laughs> Baker uh, being in this episode, a, a bit like um, Horns of Nymon is the vibe that I get from it. Yes, no, I, I, to- I totally get that. Um, even the way that they have this, I mean, basically just jumping, because it is actually the first two parties, so we've got the first cliffhanger. Yeah. This is all about us, alien experts, the only people with the knowledge how to fight them, gathered together in one room. Excuse me, do you mind not farting while I'm saving the world? Would you rather silent but deadly? <laughs> you all for wearing your ID cards. They'll help to identify the bodies. I think that's why, like, the Slovene works so well with the Sarah Jane Adventures, because Sarah Jane Adventures has that campness kind of quality. Um, but also the Slovene, they are genuine, like, uh, proper villains because, you know, they are 
as you said, skinning people trying to cause World War Three. You know, they're not villains to be taken lightly at all. No, they're not. They're um, they're a, they're like a mafia family, yeah. aren't they? Because Slovene's not the the Slovene is not the race name. No. It's the family name. The race name is. <laughs> They are Rexcorkafalopatorians! Yay! Well done. I see. Why does Russell T. Davis have a capacity to have, yes, write alien characters, yes, create alien species? Why give them a name that nobody can really pronounce unless they are severely pissed? <laughs> it's like the mighty Jagrafess of the Holy. The uh, Holy Adventistic Magnum. That one. still not pronounced. Oh. But no, it's a, t- it's a two-part, and plus the fact we we got to deal with um, what happens when the TARDIS and the Doctor get it wrong, and Rose doesn't come back for 12 months. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that. And, oh, my God. Just, it... And when Jackie slapped him. I love Jackie. Now, I know there's one person listening to this podcast, and if we don't say this, and we do not sing that woman's praises, we're going to get disowned. For so. sure. I, I do love, I do love the, the whole premise of uh, Rose coming back, and it's been a whole year, because it throws back to sort of Ace coming back in survival, um, but just with a bit more of a dramatic impact, because with Ace, yes. you know, she's back, and her friends are like, I thought you'd gone to Birmingham or something, and <laughs> it's just a bit like... A fate worse than death. (laughs) (laughs) But to actually see... Because obviously with Ace, it's a bit different because she didn't have those kind of family members to go back to. Um, With Rose, you know, we got Jackie. And, you know, Jackie has no idea who this Doctor guy is. You know, he's taken her 18-year-old daughter away for a year without having a phone call. Of course she'd be pissed about it. Oh, she was... I mean... It's a, it's a wonder the Doctor actually survived, you know, got through with just a slap. Exactly. I'm surprised, you know, not more happened with him because, uh, yeah, yeah, Jackie, Jack, that, I think that's when Jackie was like, oh, okay, I get her. She is a absolute yeah. legend. She knows what <clears throat> she wants. Um, and I love that family dynamic uh, because, again, it's that kind of soap opera style that I think J&T probably would have done in the classic era if he was allowed to do it. Um, and again, that's what made Doctor Who a bit more modern, a bit more relatable to modern audiences, is because um, you got that family aspect to it. And oh, oh my god, I mean, just Rose's family are just incredible people. So to have strong characters and that just works. And while we're on the subject, we can't forget my personal favourite, dear Mickey. Oh, Mickey. Oh my god. God, I'd never felt so sorry for a man in all my life. I mean, in Rose, yes, he's he's a he's the typical laddish boyfriend, but he's he's got a good heart. He's a he might be a bit um he might be a bit cloth-headed, but he's got it where it counts. And all of a sudden, Rose runs off, leaves him, and then all of a sudden, he's accused of murder. <laughs> oh yeah, I know, and, the- and just like. <laughs> Just like I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have been as nice about it. I'd have been calling her every name under the sun, and all of us, you know, it's amazing that the story de- deals with a lot of impacts that the Doctor just completely, just completely oblivious of. Because as far as he's concerned, it's all domestic. Yes. It's completely beneath him, and I don't know that shows that shows a very lofty side of his nature as a Time Lord. And the thing is with Mickey as well. I feel like he has 
one of the biggest character developments just across the entire series that he was in in Doctor Who, you know, up until um, well, he has a, end of time. a decent. Uh, that's that's true. Yeah, because you know he uses. I mean, he his, goes through a lot in series one. Well, I mean, because exactly because he, you know, he's portrayed at the beginning as this kind of weedy little boyfriend that you know was just going out with Rose um, and you know, likes football, goes down the pub, kind of stereotypical thing. But then you've got this side of him that can hack into a unit, which is Yeah, he like... became a technical wizard. Exactly, and... Absolutely adored that. I love that kind of aspect where uh, it leads you down one way thinking, oh, this character's just going to be like this, I'm not going to get on board with it, but then throws a curveball in. You're like, oh my god, I wasn't expecting this, and then suddenly he becomes your favourite character. That's true. And what I loved about him is the fact that he's got, for all his, his manly, manly exterior, um, he's got a very, he's, he's, it, it, it does expose the frailties of the, of the dear man, because right at the very end, the Doctor says, look, you can come with us. And he says, um, I can't hack it, I can't do it. But for the love of God, don't tell Rose I said that. I just thought that was the most beautiful way. I mean, the, the Doctor and Mickey have always... He was basically... You're looking at the the biggest pissing contest in the whole universe. It's like having your boyfriend and your ex-boyfriend in the same room fighting kind of thing. Yeah, it is, yeah. Which, uh, yeah, I mean, just to jump forward when we get to school reunion and Mickey turns around to the Doctor and says, Oh, the missus and the ex. Exactly. Oh, nightmare. <laughs> I just thought... <laughs> I just thought, oh, he's got his own back, you sneaky <laughs> mega. Exactly, anyway, I love that. Of course, we met Harriet Jones. I, I was waiting, I was waiting to North. drop the moment I could mention Harriet Jones because I love her so much. Yeah, I was going to say, we all love her and you you think she's awesome now, you wait till the Christmas in May. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's it's that, it's that great thing of... Uh, I, I would have liked to have seen Harriet Jones travel with the Doctor. I think there would have been some very conflicting... Um, stances on on her time with the Doctor. I mean, there were anyway. So, but she just seemed, all she did everything for her duty. And again, I, I, I keep you know um, uh, going off on a tangent. But in series four, when she makes the ultimate sacrifice um, with the Daleks and stuff, just sh- just shows her true character that she was, and just needed a bit of a kick up the backside in Christmas Invasion. <laughs> right. Pulling it back, pulling it back. Pull, pull it back, pull it back, pull it back. Right. So we've uh, right, and then the next episode was, as far as I was concerned, make or break for the series, which was Dalek. Oh. Now this this is the one where yeah I was in the same position as you because the Daleks are just such an iconic Doctor Who monster, and if they get them right, that boy do they get them right. And in this episode they really did. Yes, they did. I mean it's quite interesting. What I, I don't know how true this is. Yes. But I did hear um it's amazing how discussions go on and you know people who say they know things more about the series than you do. Is that if the BBC had not secured the rights to do the Daleks the at the the villain, the one that would have, because they would have done the the Time War story, yeah, um, as they did in Dalek. But the alien was actually going to be uh, the ones from series three, the um, um, the ones that the humans became. Um, oh, what the Toclophane? The Toclophane, yeah. 
I did actually really? hear that. I didn't know. I don't know how. If anybody out there can actually confirm or deny this, because it's an interesting concept. That, but it's, yeah, apparently that's what the that's what Russell T got sort of penciled in oh, as the as the uh, as the villain. But when they said that they can do the Daleks, then they went in for the Dalek. Um, and we got the time war between the Daleks and the Time Lords. Your race is dead. You all burn, all of you. Ten million ships on fire. The entire Dalek race wiped out in one second. Goodbye. I watched it happen. I made it happen. You destroyed us. I had no choice. And what of that time, Lords? Dead. They burnt with you. The end of the last great time war. Everyone lost. But the episode itself of Dalek, it's it was brilliant. That that Dalek, that that design. And I'm glad I thought this because it's like the, ev all the best bits of a Dalek that you have ever loved from every incarnation yes, in one exactly. model. Yeah. And oddly enough, that was the design brief. <laughs> and it's, it's funny with uh, Dalek as well because, I mean, I've gone and listened to Jubilee on the Big Finish range. We all have. Um, yeah. Which, you know, is is basically Dalek is a, ver a version of... Uh, just tamed a little bit, tweaked a little bit. And I do, I love that kind of... By the same gentleman. Uh, it is Mr. Robert Shearman, who is yes. a fabulous writer and a very lovely person. Um, and it's a great story. I, I love that kind of lone Dalek against the world kind of aspect. Um, and again, it, it kind of ties in with um, evil of the Daleks when, you know, it starts developing kind of emotions and that. And to actually see a Dalek vulnerable as well was a whole new take on the Daleks because it got to a point when Daleks were getting to the point where they were just you know robots fighting and shooting things up and didn't have much of a personality so to actually give them sort of a unique personality in that way did hark back to the Patrick Troughton era of Doctor Who because I love the Dalek stories in uh, the Troughton era because I think uh, they are just so well written uh, in terms of Dalek's deviousness and all that kind of stuff um, so I, yeah for Dalek for me is such a strong story and it was a brilliant way for people to experience um, a Dalek first time as well uh, for many people um, and they, as you said the design is gorgeous the writing was perfect so again that's why it just works so well this is no, absolutely true because I mean, I liked. I like what you. I like what you say about the, um, the evil of the Daleks. I hadn't actually thought of that. Is that in the evil of the Daleks? They were trying to work out what the what the human factor was. Yeah, the human three factor. Daleks yeah. Got the human factor. In this, the human factor is an infectious disease. This is not life. This is sickness. I shall not be like you. Order my destruction. So after after that, we reach uh, the long game. Long game. Um, we we get Adam as well, who didn't last long as a companion. Thank yeah, I fuck. didn't like Adam. 
Oh, God. I knew, I knew he was going to be trouble, but for some reason, Rose... Get this! Rose fancied him! I wanted him to go with a... What was wrong with Mickey? What was wrong with Mickey? Exactly. Mickey? Tell me that. Exactly. Tell me that. Someone tell me that. Someone tell me that. Someone tell me this. Someone really tell me this. Someone really, really, really tell me this. Why didn't Rose think, oh, yeah, Mickey could come along? Because that's because Mickey didn't want to come along because he knew that he couldn't hack it. And then all of a sudden, they go off into time and space. Not only was Rose actually fancying the Doctor, she was also fancying Adam and got both of them in the TARDIS at the same time. Dear God, woman, pick one! Every. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, but does know, this woman was... just not know anything about self-control? <laughs> I mean, it was just really weird because, I mean, Adam as a character was just so thrown upon as well. And, you know, that you could tell the Doctor just <laughs> didn't like him as well. And I completely related with that. And just the Oh, whole... yeah, this, this one, this one you could chuck out an airlock. <laughs> yeah, it was just... Oh, and the whole kind of, like flicking their heads open when they clicked their fingers was just like yeah that was oh, silly it, it was uh it was bizarre it was a bizarre sort of thing to do but it um i loved uh, i love simon Pegg in it i think he yes. played a, a good villain um uh, and... he's he's my kind of villain because yes he he wasn't sort of braggadocio he wasn't sort of mwah, mwah. he just played it straight down the line and i just i i, I just liked his approach you know, it's just like you know, the ultimate villain of the universe exactly. is middle management. And I love I how he's it... how he goes like, "Oh, I'm not actually the guy in charge. It's this person up here, and I'm going to try it. I'm going to try this. I'm hoping I'm going to get it right." So he is the slave of the mighty Jagrafess of the Holy Hadrodrasic Maxim Rodefo. <laughs> And I am never ever saying that ever again. <laughs> um, Bravo, and... Hermie! I couldn't have done. I couldn't have done that. Couldn't have done that. <laughs> I don't even know if I've done it right. That no, that was that was bang on. That really, that really was bang on. And humanity's guiding light, the mighty Jagrafess of the Holy Hadrodasic Maxirat. I call him Max. After long game, was it not Father's Day after this? It was. Oh, oh my heart my is God. still. In my, I, I'm still not over Father's Day. All these 15 years later, I'm still not over it. It makes me cry every time. It's just such a. Again, it's that unique way that the new series uh, can bring in that family affair about what happens if you try to save your parents. It's a bit like Back to the Future kind of vibe. Um, it does, yes. Sort of the impact of meddling with time. And the Doctor basically, in one aspect, you know, saying to Rose, like, you can't do this because it's going to mess everything up. And then she sees the consequences of her actions and the emotional impact behind that. Because when when Pete Tyler has to sacrifice him, uh, himself at the end of the episode, oh my god, I I bawled my eyes like a baby. I must admit there were there were many tears sheds in this household about that one as well. Yeah. Because I mean it's it's quite people have brought this up up time and again. It's well, hang on. Did, there was all the, the people didn't quite get the idea about the paradox and why the. Um, um, the the time wraiths yeah. turned up. Was it time wraiths? Yeah. Uh, the reapers. The reapers. Oh no, wraiths is wraiths is another one. Anyway, the reapers. When the reapers turn up, 
They said, well, there's been paradoxes all the time. Why the Reaper's never turned up before now? Because Rose had bottled out of the first chance that she got. And somehow, Puppy Dog died the Doctor into going leapfrogging back onto that timeline again. Eventually, what the Doctor... It's all the Doctor's fault. The Doctor should have said, no, we cannot yeah. do that. And he the knows. He knows nay. that he's not allowed to do that. He knows, and we know he knows, and yet yeah. somehow she convinces him. And she then, instead of doing what she was supposed to do in the first place, she then changes history while two of them were there in the same point in space and time. Yeah. And that is, and like that's an irre- that's an irreversible paradox that tears u- yeah. the universe wide open. That's why the Reapers turned up. Um, and then there was all this business. Well, the Doctor's met himself before, so why is it that when Rose met Baby Rose, did you know how did the, the Reaper get into the church? It's because the Doctor knows what he's doing. He's a Time Lord. He has a unique relationship with time. He's never had the same body meet each other. Well, you know, actually, no. It's always been a different the body. And, or... Day of the Daleks, he met himself. Ah, but they didn't shake hands, and the, the no, console promptly no. the I... console promptly yeeted one of them away, just like nope, <laughs> out, <laughs> out. Yeah. I quite like that as a concept, though, because like in certain situations, time is in flux. So again, I'm going to use the term wibbly wobbly, timey wimey. Um, <laughs> And uh, you can I don't have like time. That phrase. There's basically the time lords can see at what moments can you know time can bend and misshapen and all this kind of stuff. But as you said, when Rose runs past the Doctor and herself, and you see them disappear into the like kind of glowy kind of time stream, I like that as that's like a, a permanent tear, and that's how the Reapers are getting through because that's quite a good concept because you know. Um, it'd be a great thing to bring back up in a later series, like an irreparable, 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 uh, a kind of moment that they can't go back, and the Reapers come through again to fix that problem. Because basically, they're like the first aid kit of time, because they come through and true, they go, yeah. right, let's just fix this, and then they're <clears> off <throat> again. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, it does make me wonder yeah. why the Reapers have never turned up again. I know, I really like Because them. of all the paradox yeah, the stories monster. we've had subsequently, mm. you, you think that the Reapers, mind you, maybe the Reapers have already turned up and we just didn't know. But not when it's me saving my dad. I know what I'm doing, you don't. Two sets of us being there made that a vulnerable point. But he's alive! My entire planet died. My whole family. Do you think it never occurred to me to go back and save them? But it's not like I've changed history. Not much. I mean, he's never going to be a world leader. He's not going to start World War Three or anything. Rose, there's a man alive in the world who wasn't alive before. An ordinary man. That's the most important thing in creation. The whole world's different because he's alive. Ah, uh, oh, I know what's coming next. After Father's Day, we get... Oh, my lordy, the greatest two-part <laughs> of Doctor Who in history. Bar none. The best of the best. We have the empty child and the Doctor dances oh, by the wonderful Stephen Moffat, introducing the wonderful story. Captain Jack Harkness. Good old Captain Jack. In j- just the it would and this is not me lagging. This is me failing to find words. It was just about the most stunning piece of telly ever. 
everything about those two 45-minute episodes. We could do a podcast about those two episodes alone, but we're not yeah. going to. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a case of just go and watch those two episodes, come back to us and say we were right. Because guess what? <laughs> we are right. If you don't think we're right, there is the door. <laughs> do not let it hit your backside on the way out. You will not be missed. <laughs> I know, just everything, again, of that is perfection. Like the gas mask monsters, uh, Captain Jack, just... Oh, uh, Nancy herself. I love Nancy as a character. Yeah, Nancy would have been a knockout companion. Completely. But it's amazing, the issues they deal deal with. I mean, you know, everything of World War II and all all this business. But it's the fact... I think it's the first time that Doctor Who's broached the subject of... um, young parents yes and yes. the the whole i mean it's done very subtly it's not you know it's a case of it's, it's one of those little details where it's going to say i'm looking for my brothers and even we work even as the audience we've worked in a case of you're not no no right. this is this is is this what i think it is yes it was and it was done so subtly and so beautifully that it, it just it, i think this is the this is this is the first example of stephen moffat yeah. When he was writing his Doctor Who, and I'm not, I'm not talking about his series, I'm talking about the Doctor Who's he wanted to write, he is absolutely unstoppable. Yeah. Because I, I think I think even him and Russell T, they're, they're old mates. It's anyways, I think. Yeah, I mean, they were part of the Doctor Who Appreciation Society and all of that yeah. stuff. Yeah. So. Oh, oh, they, they, were, oh they, were, they, they were part of that club, were they? Right. <laughs> all hail the Appreciation Society. <laughs> Watch along on the 5th, 5th of September, Resurrection of the Daleks. All, all hail. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I like it. <laughs> they know I only tease. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not going to get love... the free membership now, am I? <laughs> <laughs> I, love, um, I love the guest star in this one, which is Richard Wilson. Oh, no. He, he Wasn't he brilliant? A lovely, lovely character in it. You're very sick. <clears throat> Dying, I should think. I just haven't been able to find the time. Are you a doctor? I have my moments. Have you examined any of them yet? No. Don't touch the flesh. Which one? Anyone. He got the best line right at the very end of the Doctor Dances, where that uh, that dear that 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 little old lady says, "When I come into hospital, I had one leg." Well, there is a war, um, perhaps you miscounted. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought it was the best thing ever. Oh, it was brilliant. Oh, like, just that cliffhanger as well, where he turns into the gas mask uh, creature as well. Uh, yeah. Oh, that terrified me. And it was very well done. Oh, brilliantly. That was very well done. I love the cliffhanger. Yes. I love I love that clip, but I love the resolution to the cliffhanger. I really yeah. did like the way he got out of that one. I mean it. I'm very, very angry with you. I'm very, very cross. Go to your room!
really glad that worked. Those would have been terrible last words. You did see that he was having the echoes of what he's been through. Yes. Through the war, you know, not not not, not the war, but the other war. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know. It's, there is, but it's, it's amazing for a very dark episode that's all set at night. It is because you've got because a lot of people overlook this. It's all over one night, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. 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 It is, yeah. And I love that. I absolutely adore that. I thought that's a, you know, you're thinking this story's going to go into the wee hours. And, the, and you know, so, so where does all the light come from? John Barrowman, of course. Of course. Like, In uh, his flirty, beautiful, manly way that... Is it, is it me or is it warm in here? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, as well, like, because, you know, um, as we said before, you know, re-watching Torchwood and stuff... Just going back and uh, seeing the origins of Captain Jack and everything just makes the whole situation of his introduction to the Doctor and that so much more impactful and dramatic. Um, and that's why I love them as a team. I, I do really love uh, the Doctor, Rose and Jack all together. And I'm going to move on to Boomtown because we also get Mickey join the TARDIS team as well. Oh, Boomtown. Now this is where Mickey gets his own back good and proper. Exactly. Oh, what a... The thing is, I like Boomtown. Because yeah, it's it's nice the fact that Captain Jack's now joined the TARDIS crew, and you see them as as a unit, as a as yes. a proper gang, and I absolutely love that. And Mickey turns up and hoping to see you know to talk. It's, it's not even a bit awkward. It's just a case of oh god, there's you now, there's you that sort of thing. You know, can't I have those to myself? And the answer is no. Um, but I like the fact with Boom Ten. I like the fact because it's all about. Reper- the whole series up to this point seems to be dealing with repercussions. One thing knocks into another one, knocks into another one. So this is the third story in a Slovene trilogy, if, as it were. Yeah. And so you got the knock-on effect of that and the knock-on effect of how Rose has treated Mickey and how Mickey's yeah. reacted to it. And I think he's reacted to it quite laudably up to this point. Um, and, you know, the fact that Mickey... He basically he's trying to have a normal relationship with a woman who is in a completely in on beyond normal situation, and he kind of loses it, but he loses it for the right reasons with her. I think that's exactly the same with Gwen and Reese in Torchwood. Yeah, it's exactly kind of same parallels that um, that they're trying to maintain kind of some normality. But if you're travelling with uh, Jack or the Doctor or whoever. You, that normality is not going to last for very long. No, it's not. And the thing is, how could it be possibly normal when... And I, I, I say I... I will stand in front of... I'll say this to anybody's face. It's, it's remarkable. How could it be normal that when Rose is being so ridiculously selfish through this entire series, it's all been about her and how she's you know, she's at, she's after the Doctor, and then she's got the Doctor who she thinks he's gorgeous, and she's got Captain Jack who she thinks he's gorgeous, and all of a sudden, poor old Mickey's trying to compete with all of this. And yet, she's she's just like, well, I, I'm, in, I'm in Cardiff now. And he comes, he literally, he says to her, he comes running for her, and he can't understand why, and the, I feel so sorry in my heart for the poor lad. I'd be, I'd be just like, you know what? You're in front of her. Dump her ass now! <laughs> <laughs> Go live your life, son. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I know. And I, again, I think that's part of his character development is that he realizes that you know that he's Rose has gone off to do her own thing, and uh, we address that more in series two. Uh, mm-hmm. so, where Mickey comes and it's always going to be someone yeah. else it's never going to be him yeah I, I quite like that we, we do have the Slovene back with uh, Blessed Margaret as well yes who is the mayor of who Cardiff who was a lot who was a lot better under her own steam uh, than with a gang of them. She's a great villain. I just love Margaret Blaine as a villain. And the whole premise of, you know, her turning Cardiff into one gigantic kind of bomb because she just wants to sort of get away from the planet and everything um, is such a Slovene kind of way of treating a situation. Because she, you know, masks herself as, oh, she's turned into a new woman. And you're like, no, you've not. Um, and again, you know, it's that resolution at the end when she turns into an egg uh, and has that second chance. Uh, which is such a doctor thing to do uh, to yes. give to give a villain a second chance uh, after everything she's done when she nearly tried to kill Rose and Jack and Cardiff and all this kind of stuff um, is a great way of uh, oh and the dinner date I completely forgot about the dinner date it's oh, such a no, brilliant I'm, I'm, I'm glad scene. you I'm glad you brought the dinner date up because they're my favourite scenes yeah yeah they truly are because I I like to see villains. When the Doctor and the villain have a have a conversation, not sort of "I'm going to kill you," "I'm going to stop you," blah, blah, blah. they were talking to each other on the on different levels. But the thing is, this is where I say that the Doctor's a bit of a tease, because as soon as he saw the extrapolator on the table, the Doctor, being the Doctor, knew what was going on. He knew exactly what was. He probably knew exactly what to do. Why else would you take an extrapolator and the villain into inside the TARDIS? I think he knew what he was doing all along. Oh yeah, I it's that McCoy because, approach. Yeah, it's you know when he said we're going to take you home, it's case he didn't say he was going to hand them over to hand them over to be executed and all this business. She said all that. He exactly. got her without doing a thing to actually go. But if you take me here, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. And all of a sudden, she's basically it's her last will and testament and confession. And then as soon as that's out of a system, the Doctor... I think the Doctor's plan sort of kicks up a notch. He, okay, so he must have known. He yeah. can't have... He's that blasé is to leave a, a bit of tech like that going and not know that this was going to happen. It's getting out of He knew. He knew damn straight. Yeah. And it's... There's such some... Again, some beautiful writing. Um, I love the fact that Margaret uh, has gone... <laughs> has gone native... Oh yeah, God that help was me, I funny. sound like a Welshman. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, all the literally pages and pages of dialogue in in the restaurant scenes of how I lo- I love that saucy the, the line. Parts of morality. I love that saucy line she delivers of dinner and bondage, and you're just like that is such a Russell T Davies. Really? Line. <laughs> hey, she said it. She said it. But <laughs> just, it's I, just such. I, the audience would expect me to pick up on such a thing. <laughs> that was you. <laughs> 
but it's just I'm like, surprised. Such a... I'm impressed, but I'm surprised. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd, I, you know, it's just that Russell T. Davis kind of flirty campness that I love about series one. Um, <laughs> it's true. And the pair of this them, just Eccleston true. and uh, Annette Badland, just play it off so well together. I'd love to see more scenes of them. And that's how you live with yourself. That's how you slaughter millions. Because once in a while, on a whim, if the wind's in the right direction, you happen to be kind. Only a killer would know that. Is that right? From what I've seen, your funny little happy-go-lucky life leaves devastation in its wake. Always moving on, because you dare not go back. Playing with so many people's lives, you might as well be a god. And you're right, Doctor. You're absolutely right. Sometimes you let one go. Let me go. Now we're going to hit uh, Bad Wolf. Oh, yes. Now, the big two-parter. Yes. Oh, now, my God. Everything had been building up to this. Everything. Um, the whole Bad Wolf, which, which was, you know, a, a thread running through the series yeah. like we mentioned earlier there's very few examples of it um i think like i said the only couple of ex- examples i can think of is th- you know things like the white guardian the black guardian and the mara a lot of it happened in peter davidson's era when yeah. you think about it um and there was bits and you know like i said it's something I think they've tried once or twice. I mean, obviously, you got the the key to time, which I think was the big one. Yes. But I don't think since then. I mean, there was there was story threads which they introduced in certain episodes, and they said, "Oh no, this has been going on for aeons." Like uh, Fenric. Yes. In season twenty six, they said, "Oh no, that's been going on since the twenty fifth anniversary." And I'm just thinking, was it? Was it really though? But this is where they they just flat out said no this is the thing that's going to be keep going all the way through it's all going to come to and i we all wondered what bad wolf was yeah and then we find out it's a corporation and i went what so we introduced to the doctor being in big brother which was a hysterical concept i i love now I love now that because, you know, we're looking at it from a future kind of aspect now, um, it represents 2005 so well because, yeah, you've got um, Big Brother, What Not To Wear and The Weakest Link, which were all the big TV shows at the time. They were, yes. But the thing is, Russell T always said that the first thing that he... I think must have been the first thing that he wrote. He said, if I was ever going to do Doctor Who... So he's had this idea in his head for a long time. Yeah. Was Doctor Who and killer game shows. And, <laughs> you know... But the thing is, it's kind of... It's almost prophetic, really, because 2005, we still had uh, what you call fictional TV. Yeah. He did actually, to me, it sort of... Russell T saw how TV was going. And I think he predicted a lot more... I think he predicted the reality TV craze... Yes. ...that ensued in the years to come, way before it actually turned up. So, I mean, hats off to him for actually saying, you know, this is how it's going to go. There's going to be a lot more of these shows. And people are going to watch them because people are told to watch them. And it's it, it's quite scary, but Russell T saw it coming and 
that's off to him. And this is why I don't like reality TV, because I know that for a fact there's a Dalek saucer on the edge of the solar system <laughs> waiting for me. I'm not going to give them the opportunity. I mean, it's bizarre. It's bizarre looking at it while we're in COVID as well, because obviously, like, the whole plot is that everybody's locked in their houses because of the pollution levels and everything have skyrocketed. So everybody has to be trapped indoors. And again, it's like COVID. Everybody's trapped indoors because, you know, you've got to self-isolate and all this kind of stuff. So now what you've got is you've got Netflix, Amazon Prime, BritBox, uh, you know, all those kind of uh, uh, streaming service. And um, it's, it's amazing because, like, it's the parallels between that that, you know, they, they're um, giving out however many channels it is on uh, this satellite. And it's exactly the same principle that we're all at home. We all want to watch the hottest kind of TV shows like Umbrella Academy um, and all those kind of things that have come out. Um, and... Uh, yeah, it's it's a, it's such a great concept, and Russell T Davis, I swear, just lives in the future with um, programs like Years and Years as well, because he could just predict yeah, watch, watch that. with me. Oh my god, that <laughs> that is just another series. I, I like the idea. Of, I like the idea of some of the series that they come up with. It's the one where they have to live with a bear. It's like, oh, bear with me. I thought I want to I watch that. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're introduced to um, now. Is it Linda with a Y or Linda with an I? I can't. I can never remember. I think it's Linda with a Y. Yeah, again, sweet. Linda with a I Y, ad- yeah. I adored her. I was heartbroken with that scene in Parting of Ways. You know, it's a case of, you know, if I thought to myself, ugly enough, because obviously this was, this was back before um, internet spoilers, so we didn't know everything about the series before it came out. Exactly. Um, so you, you did kind of get the impression, hang on a minute, so if something happens to Rose, is she going to be the next one? And I was sitting there kind of hoping for it. Because she does start off very childlike, very very sweet, and very yeah. sort of, you know, didn't want to bother anybody. But the, the Doctor beautifully takes her under his wing. Um, but it wasn't... It was, it was just a case of, you know, it was just two people again. They just met. They're in this weird, weird ass situation and they just seem to like each other. And, you know, he, I just thought the way that they'd done it and the way the doctor holds his hand out and just thinking, she's the next companion. Oh my God, I'm going to lose my And she wasn't. I was so upset. Oh, it killed oh, me. I know. Oh, I mean, this is what, because, you know, not without jumping too far ahead because we can't gloss over the fact that, um, Captain Jack comes into his own with um, what not to wear, and he ends up not wearing it at all. And that gag with the gun. Oh my god! Where were you hiding that? Do you really want to know? know. (laughs) It was so that was so beautifully done. It really was. But what I like, what I like about Captain Jack is that he can be charming and it's all white teeth and sudden all this the smile and everything but he's got such a carry-on sense of humor you know (laughs) yeah yeah i it's just i i i love the 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 whole concept behind it and and the android i love the the, android as well droid (laughs) yeah i think we all had the same reaction then it was because of the android droid (laughs) (laughs) 
And it's just like fighting for your life is just like, how did, you know, civilization get to this point that you're watching game shows to not win money, but to save to, your to life actually, yeah. is just such a... Oh, but man. They, it's such a... Oh, I love it. I, I, and, they did dress that, didn't they? Have, they did actually address those. Yes. Yeah, so what? So what's the reason? Oh, they get to live. What is that all? <laughs> and to have, I'm going to move swiftly on uh, to parting of the ways because the Daleks were behind all yes, of it. Yes. Now that was a cliffhanger. I know those ships. They were destroyed. Obviously, they survived. Who did? Who were they? Two hundred ships. More than two thousand on board each one. That's just about half a million of them. Half a million what? Daleks. Alert! Alert! We are detected! It is the Doctor! He has located us! Open communications channel! The female will stand! Stand! I will talk to the Doctor! Oh, will you? That's nice. Hello? Oh, really? Why is that then? We have your associate. You will obey or she will be exterminated. No. Explain yourself. I said no. What is the meaning of this negative? It means no. But she will be destroyed. No. Because this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to rescue her. I'm going to save Rose Tyler from the middle of the Dalek fleet. And then I'm going to save the Earth. And then, just to finish off, I'm going to wipe every last stinking Dalek out of the sky. But you have no weapons, no defenses, no plan. Yeah. And doesn't that scare you to death? Rose? Yes, Doctor? I'm coming to get you. What a cliffhanger! And the thing is, I think they've—I mean—they revealed the Daleks in a in a quite a subtle way. But did anyone actually think, well, "Hang on, are the Daleks really there?" It's a case of, "Oh shit, it is actually them." But then again, with modern—I don't know—with the way that it was written, who else could it have been? Yeah. Who else could it have possibly have been? Yeah, so I know it was it was the perfect monster that needed mm. to have done this to show the Daleks mean yeah. business and the fact that the Daleks are you know as far back up to the top of the game because they have an emperor, so we actually have Daleks that exactly. don't need to rely on Davros. Thank fuck. Um, did I say that? I know. Do you know what I did think that they were going to bring Davros back in series one? I Everybody, did have a hunch at the time. I remember having an, a flat down, yeah. drawn out knockout fight with my um, medium instructor at college, and he said, "Well, why are they bringing Davros back?" I said, "They're not bringing Davros back." I said, "Yeah, but you heard that voice at the end." He said, "Yeah, that's not Davros. It's the Emperor." I said, "No, it's not the Emperor." So I sat there. We argued this. We argued this point for about forty minutes. I said, "Look, <laughs> listen to the way it's fucking done." So show him the clip, and yeah. then showed him a clip of the Dalek Emperor and the way other Dalek Emperors had done. I said, "Does that not sound like the Dalek Emperor?" And all I got was, "Eh, we'll see." 
And I said, okay, we'll make this interesting. 20 quid. And there was this hush in the room, just like, you know. So I was like, did Matt just make a bet? Matt, Matt doesn't make bets. I said, yeah, 20 quid, that's yeah, the Dalek yeah. Emperor. And the instructor, the instructor says, oh, I couldn't possibly do couldn't Couldn't do that. I says, oh, I'll make it interesting. 40. And he looked at me. He says, all right, well, I tell you what, I bought an awful lot of DVDs that day. <laughs> nice. Uh, he, he, he sort of looked at me, held the held up this wad of cash in his hand, just handed his arm, and just, how did you know? Dude, I'm a nerd. There are certain things that I'm not doing with my spare time, so a Doctor Who has to make up for. <laughs> and just walked away and just went, and that was probably the most boss I ever felt in my life. <laughs> and, and again, well, I mean, again, this is why, like, I, I absolutely adore two-parters, yeah. because... As you said, you you get that cliffhanger at the end of Bad Wolf where um, he he goes, I'm coming to rescue you, Rose, and all this kind of stuff. Um, And it's just that impactful kind of moment. And it's it's pure event TV. It's absolutely event TV where you want to watch it live. Um, and I I do miss that with um, with Doctor Who because I feel like you need that big kind of uh, epic battle at the end of every series because oh it was just so good Quite right. oh it was just so well written and just fighting against the Daleks and getting Rose back and oh and Mickey and Jackie again becoming yes. the perfect duo to save you know save Rose and the Doctor because the TARDIS is on Earth and. You know, oh, just uh, I, I'm just thinking about it now. I want to go back and rewatch it. I must admit, I might, I might go back and rewatch it in a bit actually, because I, as a two part, I, I absolutely, I, it's, it's, it's gonna be one of my, one of the, the, actually, you know what, series one. If I rewatch Doctor Who, modern Doctor Who, it's gonna yep. be the series that I go to the most. I will Same. always just, I will Same. always just start off, and you know, I'll. I'm not, I'm not going to say where I stop, but I can always tell you where I start, and I always get through series one. Always, not a problem at all. Yeah. In fact, with the ex- there aren't any exceptions. There wasn't actually a dud episode. They were all good in their own right. There wasn't anything you'd say, yeah. "Oh my god, really?" Just don't bother with that episode, you know. Yeah, Which exactly. happened a lot more in subsequent series, but series one. But then again, with with that series, they couldn't afford to have a dud episode. They couldn't afford to. Exactly. They needed to keep it all going because it could have died a horrible death there and then. Um, and as we've come to the end of series one, the f- what was actually even more mind blowing. I did actually sat there, sat there thinking, was this the game plan all along to give you, give a brand new audience everything they need to know about Doctor Who up to this point to go away and enjoy it. Whereby they have, where people, kids are watching for the first time in one series, a regeneration. I know. I just remember hearing that Christopher Eccleston wasn't coming back, and I was heartbroken. I remember being absolutely devastated when I heard the news. Um, I didn't know David Tennant very well. Like I heard that he was in um, uh, Casanova. It is Casanova, isn't yeah, it? it is, yeah, yeah. And he was um, he, he was a, he was a he was a regular always a regular in um, in the Big Finish uh, community. Yeah, so he see, was... <laughs> I I hadn't touched I hadn't touched Big Finish when I was younger, so I didn't no. know anything about. That he was kind in a lot of Big of, Finish up to that point. Fandom, yeah. So, um, I always I always meant to ask him at Big Finish, you know. So so um yeah, Big Finish had always used David Tennant because he was a jobbing actor, I suppose, at the time. And then all of a yes. sudden he gets he gets Doctor Who. 
At no point, I really must ask him at some point, did any of them ever think, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> everyone, yeah, everyone says, "Oh, congratulations, and brilliant, and cheer him on." And did any of them ever think, "Oh, for the love I got it. Who else is going to be that available now? Because he's not. <laughs> I know. Right? I, I, I love that about Big Finish is that they have so many like big names with look, Benedict Cumberbatch, um, and I forgot the name of Agent Carter. Her real name. Hayley Atwell. Hayley, yes. Yeah, Hayley Atwell uh, was in uh, Blood of the Daleks. Yeah. Exactly. So you you had like you got some very big names, and I love that that kind of translates over into uh, Doctor Who itself. But it's amazing. Um, all I mean, these again, big names. Like, They're all big Doctor Who fans. Well. Exactly. That's what I love about um, it. Yeah, and it just you know it's a unity. It's a family kind of unity. Um, and again, like because I adored Eccleston's Doctor so much, and to know that we were only going to have thirteen episodes with him, I was heartbroken and absolutely again bawled my eyes out when he regenerated. Because this one sounds like you, it broke you a lot. <laughs> uh, pretty much. Um, and, you know, it, it just shows you sort of Russell's writing and everything, mm. um, how strong it was, because you got to know the Doctor so well in those 13 episodes. Um, and for him to move on, uh, you know, it, it made you want to sort of uh, want more. Um, oh, God. I know. Yeah. I know. But I, I love, you know, David Tennant. David Tennant's a, a brilliant Yeah, and we, sh- we, shall, we shall learn more of um, David T- Tennant's wisdom uh, another time. Rose Tyler. I was going to take you to so many places. Barcelona? Not the city, Barcelona. The planet, Barcelona. You'd love it. Fantastic place. They've got dogs with no noses. <laughs> Imagine how many times a day you end up telling that joke, and it's still funny. Then why can't we go? Maybe you will. And maybe I will, but not like this. You're not making sense. I might never make sense again. I might have two heads or no head. <laughs> Imagine me with no head. And don't say that's an improvement. But it's a bit dodgy, this process. You never know what you're going to end up with. Don't stay away! Tell me what's going on. I absorbed all the energy of the time vortex, and no one's meant to do that. Every cell in my body's dying. Can't you do something? Yeah, I'm doing it now. Time Lords have this little trick. It's it's all the way of cheating death. Except... It means I'm going to change. And I'm not going to see you again. Not like this. Not with this daft old face. Before I go... Don't say that. Rose. Before I go, I just want to tell you, you were fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. And you know what? So was I.
Hello. Okay. Mm. New teeth. That's weird. So where was I? Oh, that's right. Barcelona. But as we've come to the end of series one, we all yes. we all thought that was it for Eccleston. We begged, yes. we pleaded, and fifteen years later, Big Finish did the fucking impossible. Yeah. We always heard whisper that this might happen, but it is a genuine, genuine pleasure to say that he is actually going to be doing full cast yeah. Big Finish audios um, on vinyl. No less. On vinyl. Oh, uh, my God. Northern Doctor on vinyl. And if anybody knows me, I pre-ordered that as soon as I saw it because I was over the moon. Yeah, uh, it was just it was just wonderful news because, I mean, uh, me, and my, uh, me and Matt went to Galley 1 and they were talking about uh, Big Finish at Galley 1 and whether or not he would do it. And it was one of those things where he says he wasn't. He was trying to sort of uh, dodge the bullet. But there was a kind of moment that made you go, hmm, he knows of Big Finish and it sounded like he was in contact with them. And again, it it kind of led that thing of, oh, are we actually going to experience anything? But again, because we're thrown so many kind of scapegoats with that kind of stuff, yeah. you just <clears throat> dismiss it, don't you? Well, exactly. I mean, um, he, like I said, I can imagine that since 2005, when they said that Eccleston had done with the series, Big Finish had probably been after him since, since then, so it's took him 15 years. But then again, yeah, it took exactly. him a long time to get Tom Baker. It took yeah, him a well, long I mean, time. you know, there was that there was that issue with um, the 50th anniversary as well, and why the wonderful John Hurt was brought in, uh, which I think he did a wonderful job. Yeah, of, you know, filling in the gap. Even I mean, it's amazing. Even though you know, we talk about the Ninth Doctor in very technical terms. John Hurt is actually the Ninth Doctor, but he wasn't the Doctor. Doctor, he was the War Doctor. And he wasn't actually the Doctor, Doctor, until he said he was the Doctor, and then we got the Doctor, and then he was the ninth Doctor. <laughs> I love continuity, don't you? <laughs> oh, good old Doctor Who. <laughs> making you, you question every, it, you? making you question your life since 1963. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But it's just yeah. I wouldn't mind talking and, about uh, uh, John Hurt at great length. At some point, oh, because 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 bless him, he's no longer with us. Um, we do yeah. have a very solid body of work that we can listen to now and enjoy, and we can regale each other with tales of how much we've loved and adored him completely. Be yeah. Because when you know that he was the incarnation after Paul McGann, that was a mind blower. That oh, was an sure. absolute that took the rug from under me that really did but we shall get on to the war doctor another day <laughs> yes. because i hate to tell yes. you this homie um this is a gonna be a slightly longer podcast because we're now into the Aaron of Aaron 40 mark oh my god okay right well <laughs> i feel like i feel like we've touched upon the series as a yeah. general kind of overview well, this, is, this is the thing these podcasts are just snippets into our nerdy lives 
Exactly. I mean, we could exactly. make a whole series about about everything. If anybody's joined us at the bar at conventions, you know this to be true. But then again, you know for a fact that we flip from one thing to the other, to the other, to the other, and then we're walking, <laughs> then we're walking about a mile through Derby to go and get some ice cream and waffles, and then we're coming back, and then we're drinking, and we're doing it all over again. And this is our life, and we're inviting it you really to join is. us in our lives. <laughs> So I feel like I feel like this is a good time that we can wrap up. Yes, because just... um, people are starting to question their own existence now. I dare say. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, yeah, series one overall was absolutely wonderful, and I have such a fondness when I go back and rewatch yes, it. Yes, absolutely. Exactly the same. I can't think of a bad thing to say about um, series one apart from Adam. And yeah, I'll say the one. The one I'll, I'll, say, I'll say. I'll say this. When I saw Adam as the as the as the companion in the in the long game, I just thought, hmm, Adric doesn't look too bad now. <laughs> and that's where we're going to end it. And on that opinion, <laughs> we shall end right now. <laughs> What's that? Thank What's you for Matt? listening to the pod. We have been cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> Matt's been cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> so on that note, I have most certainly not been Ellie. And I have certainly not been Matt. And we shall we shall be with you in the next podcast. Until then, peace. <laughs> bye, everybody. Bye, bye, Duggan. Bye, 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 bye Duggan. Is that too naturalistic? Oh. <laughs>